God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Here's what I don't do. I don't do the same mistake the next episode. Right. I usually wait about four or five and then sink into a, <laughs> oh, I got this under control situation, and then fuck up. But yeah, usually right after I've been stung by a bee, I don't fuck with bees. But give me five months. And then maybe I'll start fucking with some bees. It's a total metaphor for life. Another example would be you see that wolf spider in the shower. The next 20 showers are different. Yeah. Your boy's high alert for the wooly spider in the shower. But 20 showers later, it's as if it never happened. You're not sweating it. You're not checking shit. You're just showering. You're just showering. Welcome to the show, by the way. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. It's the same in relationships, too. You make a boo-boo. Or your spouse makes a boo-boo. You have a big talkie about it. Things get tightened up for a minute. Yeah. That shit's tight. Emphasis on After minute. a boo-boo. <laughs> Emphasis on minute, though. Because it's hard to change. It's hard to change. I would say it's impossible to change. Right. If you do change, you do need some outside help. Yeah. Like, what's the famous saying physician heal thyself oh <laughs> I don't dude, we're fucking going shakespeare now dude i'm fucking taking it back to the Whistle goddamn Octodow. 17 or 1800s i don't know where that motherfucker lived but we're taking it back to the olden days dude, you are 10 seconds away from using the word tincture <laughs> was it a balmy tincture that you're talking about? dude i'm about to fucking throw a goddamn fucking leech on my leg (laughs) just to continue having this conversation with any authenticity jesus christ that was a good one for my ill-timed topa chico toque well i was telling a friend i was talking to a friend and they were saying man vince vaughn he just plays the same character over and over and i was like hey man what what yeah, he said that. We were talking is about this person that, This is a person who saw one Vince Vaughn movie. Well, this is a person that's maybe seen some of his comedies. And I said, hey, man, have you ever heard of Brawl in Cell Block 99? Or Dragged like, Across Concrete. Which is the same director, by the way. And he said no. And I was like, dude, Oscar winning performance of his career. And I'm describing the movie to this guy. And I'm getting so excited describing it that I watched it again last night for maybe the sixth time i've seen it four or five times it's as good as the first time i saw it and it's a great movie and so this dude watched it and it blew his mind it's so nice when like he was texting me while he was watching it he was like dude i can't believe this movie i can't believe how good vince vaughn is i'm like dude vince vaughn is deep i mean you cannot do what he did in that movie without being really deep as an actor it holds up. It's emotionally so powerful, dude. Craig Ziegler is the director writer of that movie. Yeah. And he did Bone Tomahawk too, which is also worth seeing. It's great. He's got one called Chick Hug Penny, which was supposed to come out last year. Oh, he's got a new one. Well, it's in production, but it hasn't come out. Okay. I still haven't seen Dragged Across Concrete. It's great. It's, I need to it's, see it. it's the worst of the three. It's still great. Okay. But just that movie's on my mind. And I know we've talked about it before, but 
What an amazing, powerful movie. So surprising. You know who's in Dragged Across Concrete? Mel Gibson, right? Mel Gibson, dude. And you're reminded how great of an actor he is. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's just too, it's just unfortunate that, that he's, he's, he's a straight up fucking anti-Semitic. I know. But he's a, he's such a good director. It's the classic problem. What do you do when people who make, make things that you like, but then you find out that they're shit bags. Here's a question. And we're going to, we're basically, I'm, I'm basically steering us into shark infested waters oh and I'm boy. throwing chum overboard. You? No, you no. I'm throwing chum overboard. Chum. But here's a question. Here's a question I have. Okay. Now I'm not saying being anti-Semitic is in, there's anything that's not shitty about being anti-Semitic, mm -hmm. it, but, I would say you being anti-Semitic is just you being kind of dumb or in, in whatever way makes you anti-Semitic, you're just stupid or ignorant or something. There's something about you. It shows a flaw in your character being anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm, obviously. Let me put it this way. Let me, let me rephrase the question. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to rephrase the question because the way I was about to put it, it was just, it was going to sound bad. Okay. All right. Here's, here's the thing. Let's say you're not a big Bob Schneider fan. In fact, let's say you're a hater of Bob Schneider. Mm. Now, there are haters out there. Sure. Now, they're not listening to this podcast, of course. Why would they? Some people hate listen, but that's rare. It's rare. Most of the people are listening to this because they like the podcast. They're fans. Yeah. But let's say you're a Bob Schneider hater, and there are, there are a few the, the world is, unfortunately, has a few Bob Schneider haters out there. Now, me as Bob Schneider, do I like that? No. The answer is no, I don't like it. But is that affecting my happiness? Is that affecting my life? Not really. Is it? Not really. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't like it, but it's not really affecting my life. Well, I mean... The, our Jewish well, it friends. is it is affecting my life because they won't let me play Austin State Limits, either the festival or the show, which is a real bummer. I don't know if those guys are haters, but they're definitely don't want me playing theirs. They don't want me playing their thingsers. I'm still not really sure what your point is, but if you're saying people's hatred of you doesn't affect your life, it's like well. Our Jewish friends out there. Well, no, I this, just an, I, a, no, I answered. I answered my question. <laughs> I asked the question: Does okay. it affect my life? And the answer is yes, it does affect my life. And so that was the question: Does it somebody being stupid and ignorant uh, about somebody else and then despising them? Does that does that affect their life? The yes. answer is yes. So yeah, the answer is yes, and much more so for them because of this thing that happened called the Holocaust. So you know, when our Jewish friends out there look around and see anti-semitism just on display now it's fucking disgusting they it harkens back to like well how long before we live in a society that wasn't that long ago they just decided it was cool to round all of us up and fucking kill all of us so i think it's scary you know it's a scary time for people it sucks it's sad and i don't understand it like these dudes you know there's a really famous country guy here named morgan wallen who actually thinks pretty talented like as far as country music goes i kind of like the shit he does but he keeps getting drunk and, and yelling out the N-word uh, and he keeps getting on camera. And it's like, you couldn't get me drunk enough to be racist because 
like I've been so drunk before. I don't know what I did or said. Actually, my a lot, a lot of my early touring that was quite common. No one ever woke my ass up the next day and said, "Hey, man, you used a lot of racial slurs last night." Because it's not in me. So you got a guy like Mel Gibson who gets a little loose and has a few cocktails, and then that's what comes out of his mouth. That's who he is. That's what he believes. And there's been a lot of really public movement in the last couple of years. I won't say who or how. I will let the listeners decide what I'm talking about. But a lot of dog whistling that I think has given a lot of cover to a lot of people just bringing all of that out. It's fucking sad. Did you see Ricky Gervais when he totally fucked with Mel Gibson on the Golden Globes? Yeah, what what was his big joke about that? I don't know, man, but he he got under Mel Gibson's skin. I like a drink as much as the next man. <laughs> Unless the next man is Mel Gibson. <laughs> okay. Right, listen, this is... Shush. Just shut up, really, seriously. Right. A few years ago, on this show, I made a joke about Mal Gibson getting a bit drunk and saying a few unsavoury things. We've all done it. I wasn't judging him, but now I find myself in the awkward position of having to introduce him again. (laughs) Listen, I'm sure it's embarrassing for both of us, okay? And I blame NBC for this terrible situation. Mal blames, we know who Mal blames. Listen, I still feel a bit bad for it, right? Mal's forgotten all about it, apparently. That's what drinking does. No. I want to say something nice about Mal before he comes out. Um, so, oh yeah, okay, here you go. I'd rather have a drink with him in his hotel room tonight than with Bill Cosby. <laughs> Please welcome Mal Gibson. Yeah, thank goodness for Ricky Gervais, dude. That guy does not give a fuck. Indeed, does not give a fuck, dude. The dude is so smart. This says Ricky Gervais says Mel Gibson was cool with his joke. No way. If you are Mel Gibson in that situation, dude, if you're a celebrity and Ricky Gervais is going after you, your only move is to be a good sport. <laughs> you getting upset about it's not going to help anything. Or if you want to just trump him, you can come back with some real good shit. But I mean, you you better have you you better you better be a master of fucking wit craft to go up against him. Why is it so hard to find things on the fucking internet? Because it's so hard, dude. You have to actually like, you have to like, yeah, you have to have like type in a name or description to find it. It's so hard. I typed in Ricky Gervais, Mel Gibson joke. And I swear to God, I can't find this fucking joke. Dude, when I was a kid and you wanted to find something out, guess what you had to do? Go to a fucking library. You had to go to a library, dude. You couldn't like just fucking, hey Siri, how do I make a, a goddamn a birdhouse for a swan dude you had to go to the library fucking look in the bird section or in the fucking how to make a house section and you had to fucking it was like true detective but you're just trying to find something that literally would take you less than a minute now and it would take you weeks or or months or years or your whole life just go to the local 4-h club pass over the library the local 4-h club will help you make a birdhouse for a swan they what's will. for it? What's for it? What are the H's in 4H? 
I have no idea what 4-H means. Health. Health is one. Happiness. High water is two. Horny. Heathcliff is three. And horny is four. The 4-H club. The 4-H's. <sighs> dude, we're figuring shit out, dude. What's your horny meter? Like, what is, what is the... What Zero. Are the, what are the possibilities of horniness for you if it's on a scale of one to ten? Can you, do you get to a ten anymore? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No. It's like it's like right at zero or one. Sometimes it'll like peg into one. Jesus Christ. No. I'm not far off from that. I'm, I'm not far off. I can get I can kick it up to a four. But here's how I know I'm at a four, which is like the top for me. Is if I'm like just doing really normal things like going to Kroger and I'm like, everyone here is attractive. Then I'm like, okay, I'm horny, I believe. But we also have what I call in Nashville the horny Kroger. And it's in this like really affluent part of town. My friend Kevin lives over there. And when we get together and watch basketball, I'll go to the horny Kroger and get a, get some beers. And just everyone in there is just filled with life and attractive. The dudes and the women. Even the cashiers. And that's horny Kroger. And I just well, always imagine that everyone in there is on their way having some naked time with somebody that's not me right i used to live in austin and if you were walking around austin you would definitely see some attractive people occasionally <laughs> but i don't live there anymore i live out here in b caves so yeah the only attractive person i see is my wife there's no horny h-e-b uh, no i feel like um i haven't been out to your place in a while in b caves but i feel like there's attractive people out there Go to the movies out there. Go to the HEB. I don't. Maybe is that um is that Jack in the Box still there on that main road? There's that McDonald's we would hit. McDonald's. There's a McDonald's that's close by (laughs) that we've hit many times. I haven't hit it in a while. Yeah, I was trying to get my daughter hooked on H on uh, McDonald's. She wouldn't do it. She for a minute she she was biting on that on that worm, but then my wife put the kibosh on it. No McDonald's, huh? poison she'll dude if i buy her a cheeseburger she'll eat the fuck out of a cheeseburger yeah uh but you know kids they forget they forget it's not like my wife's feeding her anything healthy it's it's mainly just like plain pasta with butter that's (laughs) like that's all she lives off of i'm like how do you how do you like how does that even work i mean how does your body deal with that it's funny when we do make spaghetti or something if there are leftover like plain noodles nova will ask for those as a snack she loves just plain noodles yeah. It's odd. We've done okay with that. We basically feed Nova everything that we eat. And we eat pretty diverse shit. So she's okay with it. But like, man, like her cousins, my nieces and nephews, chicken fingers, pizza. And then they don't eat anything else. It's like, I feel like chicken fingers is actually nutritious. Like, that's no. a step up from what my daughter is. <laughs> then the butter noodle. Butter noodle, blueberry muffins for breakfast, for lunch, a toasted cheese sandwich she does eat some carrots and then she starts asking for candy i was thinking about luke you know what's wild is my daughter is older now than luke was when i met luke that's pretty wild but i remember this is before i even had a kid when i would come work with you and stay with you in austin and we would hang out with luke a lot because he'd be around and i remember he was always eating sushi and nova loves sushi sushi is one of her favorite meals but she does what luke used to get the avocado rolls. Yeah, I don't think Scarlett's ever had sushi. Does Luke still eat? Is he? Does he a pretty diverse eater? He eats pretty good. His stepdad cooks like every day. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's over there 
you know, six days out of the week. So I think he's eating pretty good over there. Did Corey ever cook? Was she into the cooking? No. I've been getting kind of into it during the pandemic, but I'm lucky that my wife still does the lion's share of that. She's really good at it and likes it. I do most of the cooking. I cook probably four nights a week. We eat out two nights a week and then Laura will cook one night a week. I never did the, uh, the DoorDash thing. Did you do that during the never pandemic? Did, never did it. But, uh, but Luke, Luke did that shit before the fucking pandemic and still does it. DoorDash? Yeah. Isn't it Uber like an, Eats, DoorDash. Isn't it like an extra 10 bucks? It's, I, I yeah. thought it was pretty expensive. It's fucking expensive as shit. Hmm. He'll just do it. The dude's just got money. I don't know how he does it. He just acquires loot. <laughs> he acquires loot. We're back to that old and then school do, lingo. And then, and then doesn't spend it on shit that I would spend it. I just spend it all on candy. <laughs> Or just bullshit. And he doesn't. He just saves it up and he'll buy something like an adult would buy. It's so weird. He's so like He'll buy like a, what? Like careful. A, a, a nice pair of, of, of dickies, a nice pair of Dockers khaki pants. No, because his mom buys all that stuff. But he'll buy like a nice microphone or something for his gaming. Yeah. Like a $160 microphone. Right. I'm like, what? Like, I would have spent that shit on like comic books, candy, and bullshit. Arcade games. Dude, there was nothing like being, I don't know if you had this experience in Germany, but being dropped off at an arcade with the whole oh, day yeah. ahead of you. Whole day ahead of you. The smell of that carpet in those places, it was dark. It felt like every, around every corner was some new possibility. Dude, one of the greatest days of my life, me and my best friend, Tom Katowski, when I was in, I guess, probably like seventh grade. He discovered this stash of silver dollars that his parents had, and we stole like 20 of them and turned them into quarters, and we had $10 worth of quarters each, and we just went to the arcade, and we went yeah. hog wild. Dude, you give a kid $10 worth of quarters in a whole day? Bye. How about just turning $20, 20 silver dollars into two rolls of quarters <laughs> <laughs> and not giving a fuck about what your parents think about that shit? Like, you know, they were going to discover it at some point. Sure. And we just didn't give a fuck. We're like, well, we're living our lives right now. Who cares about tomorrow? It's a little, th are we writing a song? Co-write. It's a little thing also called, uh, Ricky Martin famously called living La Vida Loca. Living that crazy life. Dude, we were living La Vida Loca when I was four, fucking 14 or however old I was, 13. Dude, I remember the smell of the 7-Eleven. I used to take my 50 cents for lunch and stop at the 7-Eleven with my buddy every morning on the way to school because we had to wa I'd walk to school and I'd just play two games of pinball and yeah. sometimes would win and sometimes I'd be winning and then I'd have to like leave to get to school on time. And the sound of that fucking when you won a game on the pinball, I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, this like <laughs> sound. And then when you heard that sound, you're like, oh, I just fucking won a game. And now I got to go to school. Would it sometimes dictate the day? Would you, if you like one where you're like, all right, today's going to be a nice day. I don't know. I mean, dude, that was so long ago. I do remember after doing that for months, I would come, I would be so hungry because I wouldn't, that was my lunch money. Mm -hmm. And then at dinner, I'd just be ravenous. And my parents were like, why are you so hungry? Didn't you eat lunch? And I was like, uh, they're like, what, what have you been doing with your lunch money? I've been playing pinball. <laughs> It's immediately start sobbing. I just, I, I, I'm not a good liar. Yeah, that's good though. I guess I feel like the people that that do the best in this world are 
confident liars. Like Bob Dylan, confident liar. I mean, what an example to choose. Yeah, I mean, he's taken the idea of truth. I mean, he doesn't lie the way that people lie for political gain or something. He he lies as part of this tradition of storytelling as just yeah. mythology. He's really all about mythology. Well, just about himself. First of all, he's like, yeah, I'm not Bob Zimmerman. I'm I'm Bob Dylan. Well, he famously, when he did his first little bio that he wrote when he was like doing his first, uh, when he was really coming out in New York, he wrote this whole bio about himself that wasn't true about how he like was a carny and lived with like followed carnivals. He was from Phoenix and his yeah. family read it and were like, what? You're from fucking Minnesota, dude. What's that all about? And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. He's like, because who he is doesn't exist or matter. That dude's a fucking master of that shit. I love it. He's, he is the master, dude. It's crazy, man. Did you ever listen to his radio show that was on Sirius? No. I, was it good? It's so fucking good. He's so smart, dude. He would do this thing like, well, you know, people, people like, uh, you know, they like this kind of stuff. But you guys, I know you guys, you guys like this other stuff. That's fine. And you're like, how does he know what I like? And then he would play some old fucking crazy shit that you've never heard. And you're like, yeah. oh, I do like that. Yeah. It's just real sneaky. He's just smart. It's just a dude that's just thoroughly smart. It's weird. He's like, he's already figured it all out and then come back around. And he's really great at misdirection. Because he, I don't know what happened, but he wrote these songs at a time where people were really looking to him for like answers about big things. And talk about a guy that was like, not the guy. <laughs> to be a spokesperson for anything or to like sincerely answer any big questions about life other than in his music. But his interviews are crazy, dude. They are crazy, but he got through it all pretty much unscathed. Like, well, in what way? I mean, he just, he was always like, it wasn't like, Oh, that guy's a sellout or, yeah. or that guy, you know, Oh, he doesn't want to be the spokes. What he's, he doesn't care about the movement. And he just said, Hey, look, I'm not the guy. I'm not your guy. <clears throat> he got a lot of shit for that though. He got a lot of shit when he started playing electric guitar. He got a lot of shit when he moved on from folk music. I mean, I think he, I think a lot of his career was him being punished for being himself. Well, he's turned it around. And he's punishing everybody now when they come see him play. <laughs> yeah, totally. I just well, heard, I, I just, it just came on the radio or like my Spotify that blown in the wind song that I, he must've been like 20 when he wrote that song. Yeah. And it's so good. I mean, that song, the lyric is just fucking... I mean, even just that first lyric, how many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? How many times must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? How many times must a cannonball fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend's blown in the wind. He's even saying in that song, I don't know. <laughs> well, and he's also talking about something that sort of like they don't even use anymore, which is cannonballs. Unless, unless he's talking about diving into a pool of clear sparkling chlorinated water no he's not talking about a nice time in, in palm springs yeah he's using the cannonball as a symbol for war which is killer he's basically saying how 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 many times are we gonna kill each other over nothing how many times are you gonna splash your aunt who's just trying to relax by the side of the pool she's just trying to read the buttress of windsor and dude you're getting her her fucking uh What's the oldest drink? What's the oldest cocktail in the world? Something like a magnolia, like a steel mag. What is that called? I don't know. A French florist. There's like a southern drink that they would drink like on the plantation. Ooh, like moonshine. No, dude. It was like a fancy drink. What the fuck was that called? Uh, my brain just doesn't. Dude, my brain. Like it used to you be able to like. a good brain. Dude, I used to like reach into the barrel of my brain and pull out <laughs> some shit. And now I reach down there and there's nothing. <laughs> 
Ah. It's just goo. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to pull out. I'm like, let me pull out anything. And I'm pulling out Florence Nightingale as a drink. That's not anything. That's not even close to anything. I pull out Steel Magnolia and it's not. And later on, I'll be like, oh, it was this. I know what it is. Can you bring me another? A Whippoorwill. What the fuck is that drink called? All right, Just now look I've got to look. Now we're, now we're the, welcome to Dude, the. Dude, we're at the part of the show. Welcome to the show where Bob, Bob looks Google something some up. shit. <laughs> Which right. is really exciting podcasting. Old fashioned southern refreshing drink. Here we go. It's going to come up. There's the old fashioned, but that's not what it, that's not what I was referring to. Dude, if you click on one of those ads, you're fucking yourself right right off the bat. Absolutely. Vintage old fashioned recipe. They're still talking about the old fashioned. All right. 35 Southern Porch Cocktails. Dude, how about the young brain who can just come up with this shit? There's a Black Eyed Susan drink. What the fuck? Dude, fucking hashtag me too, that drink. Black Eyed Susan? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Hashtag time's up. I don't know what it means. What does that mean? Black eyes? That means it's a, a woman named Susan who has now bl- has black eyes because her husband is beating her. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, okay. And then somebody n- thought that it would be cool to name a drink after that. There's a drink called Moscow Moscow Mules. A Moscow Mule, yeah. That's a that's a uh, ginger beer and vodka. I love mules. Jesus. There's Christ. also a Kentucky Mule, which is bourbon and ginger beer. There's a, a Mexican Mule, which is tequila and ginger beer. Mules are good. How about a basil bourbon orange smash? I'll have a basil bourbon orange smash here. Excuse me. Excuse me, me, bartender. Bartender. Can you give me a basil bourbon orange smash, motherfucker? (laughs) You motherfucker. Bring me a basil bourbon orange smash, you fucking (laughs) cute little motherfucker. (laughs) Hey, you cute little motherfucker. Bring me a basil bourbon orange smash. And make it snappy. Motherfucker. Dude, I just... (laughs) I'm so glad I don't drink, dude. I just got kicked. I used to get kicked the fuck out of bars, dude. Did you used to really come in like that? Come in hot like that? Dude, who knows what I'm Calling them motherfuckers and telling them they're cute. (laughs) Hey, motherfucker. Cancel that orange smash and bring me a shoe fly fly punch. Bitch. What? I said, bring me a shoe fly punch, bitch. And make it snappy. On the double. <laughs> chop, chop. Make haste. And a, and a pitcher of mojitos. <laughs> well, this has been an interesting episode of I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. We must Dude, now that can't bid be. You. Really? Are we done already? Yeah, we must now bid the beautiful babies Dude, adieu. I feel like we folded time on this episode. We folded time. Well, that's what we do here. We we bend space time. We find love. Love finds a way. We find that love is the only thing that can conquer time, just like Matthew McConaughey when he was in the goddamn Tesseract. The end. The end. Period. 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 <laughs>